We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs video from us here at KC Sports Network. I'm former Chiefs insider BJ Kissel, and it's Friday, which means we are going to be joined by my guy Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus as we go over his key mashups to watch and talk a little bit about what's transpired so far through the first two weeks of the NFL season in the AFC as the Chiefs are getting ready to take on the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday, and we'll go through some of those matchups. I know he's got a running back not named Jonathan Taylor that the Chiefs need to keep their eye on to make sure he doesn't get loose uh, based on some comments that their head coach Frank Reich had said uh, a couple of weeks ago so that is definitely something to pay attention to um, and we will get all of that uh, with Trevor Sikama here in just a few minutes but first a quick word from our friends at DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, here we go with Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. Trevor, how are we doing today, my guy? Whoo, we're doing great, BJ. We're doing great. Week three of the NFL. Week three. I was actually thinking about it this week, and I, I was saying week three in my head, and I was like, oh, that's not too bad. We still got a lot of football left. And I know that I'm going to snap my fingers, and it's going to be week 13. So we're trying to soak it in as best we can, man. We're loving it on this Friday. It always feels like that once you hit like 4th of July, it might as well be like the regular season. I don't know why it always feels like that, but like once you hit sure. like the 4th of July, it's like it's over. Like right. everything after that is just like finalizing that like two weeks before training camp after the 4th of July just completely disappears. 
Uh, but here we are. Now, before we get into the Chiefs and Colts matchup, matchup on Sunday, just want a broad NFL question for you because we are two weeks in. It's still, like you said, relatively early in the season when you look mm-hmm. at the standings. But what's been the most surprising thing across the league to you through the first couple of weeks, whether teams are doing really, really well or teams that you expected to come out playing better have struggled a little bit. And the reason I'm asking, and not to, to feed you this line, but it's something that we're talking about locally because we all expected the AFC West to be this absolute juggernaut. Right. And we haven't really seen it from the Raiders or the Broncos playing to the level that we expected them to. Not that that's a national storyline, but that week of free agency where it just felt like everybody in the AFC West absolutely loaded up to, to come after the champs. Um, God, we're already, I'm already up on my pedestal talking down to everybody after six straight division <laughs> I titles. I was going to say, but, damn, he's already the champs out here. I, I'm telling you, like, it, the way that people were talking and the way that it seemed like there was just some collusion across the NFL to go after the Chiefs. Sure. Took it personally, Trevor, and I have nothing, I have no reason to take it personally, but I did. No, but across the NFL, like, what's what stood out to you? Yeah, it's not collusion. It's, you know, they're, they are. They're taking <laughs> aim of the Kings, right? Like, these are the, this is the team yeah. since 2018 that has captivated all the headlines. It's, it's You can never count out the Chiefs. You can never... You can ever you can never underestimate what the Chiefs are about to do, and so yeah, I mean, you look in their own division and how much the rest of these teams have have added, and and what the Chargers have done has been extremely impressive. And I think, of course, because they've got a lot of continuity, especially at the quarterback position, they're the ones who are making the most out of those changes. But you look to the rest of them. I am a little shocked that we're slow out of the gate, as slow out of the gate as we are here for the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders thought the Raiders would be better. It makes sense with Josh McDaniels being the first time head coach there. Um, mm-hmm. Ziggler being the first time general manager, just getting the guys who are new, getting the game plan, everything to gel. There's so much change yeah. when that happens. And I do think that we, we underestimate that a little bit, right? And, and we just, we don't think about the time that it takes to really become a good football team. Even if you got good players there, it's a lot of chemistry. So I think them certainly, uh, whatever Nathaniel Hackett's doing doesn't look good so far. And I know he's a first time head coach. I'm not burying him completely. I think that they're still going to be a good football team, but them being as slow as they have been out of the gate, that's definitely been a surprise. I'll tell you the Eagles and how dominant they are in the other conference in the NFC. This is a team that found their groove, man. We talk about teams improving, adding players, adding different key pieces. What the Eagles added feels like he was so perfect for what they wanted. They added James Bradbury. They added Jordan Davis. They added N'Kobe Dean. They added Chauncey Garner-Johnson. They added, of course, A.J. Brown, which feels like the biggest one because for the first time, Jalen Hurts now, confident and accurate as a passer at all three quadrants of the field, left towards the sideline, middle of the field, right towards the sideline. He is not afraid to throw that ball wherever A.J. Brown is, it feels like, so far early on in this season. The defense is playing well, and they're playing well, and that's a huge storyline. And then I guess, you know, I'm not even doing this on purpose, but to tie it into what we're talking about today, how bad the AFC South looks, especially Mm -hmm. with the teams competing at the top, the Titans and the Colts, which we thought were going to be double-digit win teams. That is a big surprise to me that they're looking this poor out the gate. I thought the Tennessee Titans would take a little bit of a step back from last year being the one seed, um, winning as many games as they did. I felt like the ball or the coin, if you will, was going to flip the other way for them a little bit this year. Shoot, they're 0-2. Tough matchup this week against the Raiders. Colts should be 0-2, basically. And uh, yeah. obviously another tough one this week against the Chiefs. And so I think just those full hand, handful of teams, when you ask what the biggest surprise is, those are the ones that stand out to me both in a positive and negative way. 
Yeah, you look at the, I'm looking at the standings now, and it jumps out to me when you mentioned the AFC South. Just looking at the offensive output, the Texans are averaging less than 15 points a game. The Colts are averaging 10 points a game, yeah, and the Titans are averaging 13 and a half. And you have the Jaguars' offensive juggernaut. Let's go, <laughs> averaging Let's 23 go, points. Baby. The the one team that you didn't bring up, and not to get too far off, because I do want to. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Chiefs and Colts here in a sec, but the Bengals. Mm. It surprised me that they've come off a little bit slow, and I know obviously the company that you work for, I believe, is based in Cincinnati. Is Correct. it not? Yes. No. Yeah. So we, we got a so. we get a good finger on the pulse of Cincinnati and and what's going on there. And look, I I am a little bit shocked that they've come out of the gate this slow. I was one of those people who I I didn't I don't think the Bengals are going to make the playoffs this year. I didn't predict them to make the playoffs. Mm. I didn't predict them to be terrible, okay. but I thought that they'd yeah. probably win around nine games, and I had them as a non playoff team this year. Mm. You look at kind of how they've been set up. Zach Taylor, I, I don't have a ton of faith in to be a guy who can go for the kill shot when you have it, and that unfortunately okay. to me says that you're going to be in games that you you shouldn't, that you should be beating these teams by a lot more. You're playing to your competition. I feel like the brand of football that the Bengals play yields itself to that way too often. And, and that's when you get, that's when you start playing with fire in the NFL. These teams across yeah. the league, they're too good. We can sit here and say, oh, this team stinks. But in reality, any team can beat any team any given week. That's just the truth. That's how these professionals are. That's the talent level that we play with. And unless you can really yeah. figure out a great identity to control games and play it the way you want, run up the score as much as you possibly can, you can sometimes be playing with fire. And I think the Bengals are like that. I will say, I think the Bengals are going to turn it around a little bit. They're going to look competent mm -hmm. again. They're going to be above 500. And I think a reason why we might be seeing that slow start out of the gate is because especially for Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow didn't play during the preseason at all. And he comes out yeah. of that Steelers game, first half of that Steelers game, throws four turnovers or three interceptions, yeah. has four turnovers. And it's because the guy hasn't even been playing a regular season speed. He hasn't even been playing starter speed. He hadn't played a game yet. So just a lot yeah. of things going into that slow start for Cincy. But I think they'll, I think they'll bounce back a little bit, but no playoffs. So that's what I predicted for him. All right. That's surprising. Maybe it's just because it's in the back of Chiefs fans' mind because they ended our season right um, last year. That it's like, hey, that's the team that we got to go beat. We beat Buffalo. Everybody's talking about Buffalo. Like we took care of Buffalo when we needed to in that 13 seconds game. Uh, but since he's the one, but I uh, got a couple buddies uh, that work in their video department and Seth Tanner and uh, Will uh, Blackwell. So those guys worked for the Chiefs before and now they're over there making all the content for the Bengals uh, and all that. So they've got some great stories to tell. Hopefully they do turn it around. Um, just so that game that's in Cincinnati that I had circled as being the one I was really excited about this season to kind of get a little revenge, even though it's in the preseason, <laughs> uh, making that game a little bit more competitive. But to your point, the one thing that I will finish off before we get to the Chiefs and Colts with the Bengals is you hate to lose a season, you know, a 500 season with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on rookie deals. Mm. The way that yeah. the NFL works with contracts and salary cap, I know it's about to jump before those guys' contracts come up with the new TV deals and all that. But still, uh, those you have an opportunity with roster composition, the way the finances work, to take advantage of two premium players that are going to cost a lot of money uh, when it's their turn to get paid. Um, not taking advantage of that's tough. But all right, let's get to the Chiefs and Colts on Sunday. We always get uh, our three key matchups or the things that you were looking for, Trevor. What's the first matchup on Sunday that you're most looking forward to uh, that you think may help determine the outcome of Chiefs and Colts on Sunday? Well, the first one's kind of an obvious one, and I'm sure it's one that Chiefs fans have been talking about all week. It's how you replace Willie Gay, right? We've got the four-game suspension, yep. and 
what are you going to do to replace him? You've got a couple of traditional linebackers that are lower on the depth chart that you could say, like Elijah Lee, you could be like, okay, we could plug him in. He knows how to play linebacker. He's played it before. He's got a couple of years of experience, even though he's kind of been bouncing around the practice squad a little bit early in his career. But you could probably plug and play him there and just go, all right, the linebacker level is basically just going to run through Nick Bolt, which it probably yeah. will anyways. But you can just be comfortable with that and say that. Or – like they do have some options to get a little bit more creative. Obviously, you have Leo Chanel, who's a fantastic linebacker when attacking the line of scrimmage. He's great on the blitz. He's good at run defense. He knows what he's doing. He loves to play with physicality. Dude's as strong as an ox, not afraid to mm. throw himself at bigger offensive linemen. So if you're really concerned about the run defense part of that, you could plug yeah. him in there and kind of let him be that linebacker <clears> that's <throat> a little bit more powerful next to Bolton. But also, yeah. people have been talking about Brian Cook, the safety who played a lot in the box at Cincinnati. Maybe you get a little creative and play him next to Nick Bolton at times because if, if you are most worried about coverage, he probably gives you the best ability to neutralize some of the mismatches that you might have at running back and at tight end for the Colts. And I will say yeah. this the big matchup I'm circling for determining maybe who plays this linebacker spot or how big of a piece of the pie any of those guys, either Lee or Chanel or Cook, will get in this instance is Naheem Hines. And Hines is a player who did not get a lot of work. He's the I went to call him a backup running back, but I feel like that's disrespectful because he's fantastic and they use him in the game plan a lot. So I don't know if he's just a backup running back. He's an offensive weapon for them that they use in a lot of creative ways, but they like to use him out of the backfield and as a slot receiver. And if you have cook there in coverage, I feel like that gives you the best opportunity to maybe defend Naheem Hines speed a little bit better because Frank Reich talked about getting Hines the ball a lot more after week one, when he really was not utilized. And with the receiver situation, which we will get to in another one of my key points, the way that it is with the Colts, they need Naeem Hines. He is a guy who can get them a lot of yards after the catch, a lot of natural separation, whether it's out of the backfield or from the slot. So it all kind of depends how they want to attack replacing what Willie Gay can bring you. If you're worried most about Jonathan Taylor, like yeah. fitting the run, having physicality from that position, you're probably going to go more with Lee, more with Chanel. But if you want to get more creative and, in coverage and Naeem Hines is killing you, you can go with somebody like Cook and maybe get a little bit creative there. Yeah, and the first player that Coach uh, Coach Reed um, had mentioned also is Darius Harris. Yes, guy that's Harris. In the system yes. th uh, that's going to be out there running around. But it's not like they're going to replace, you know, Lee for, you know, another or, – or excuse me, not like they're going to play replace Willie Gay with – a Willie Gay clone. And that to your point, whether it's Brian Cook, whether it's Chanel for a little bit more of the physicality stuff, I know playing on that turf, uh, it's a lot faster. Uh, if anybody who's been down on that field in, uh, in Indy, it is a little bit different uh, than some other surfaces that people can play on, which I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make with Spags and those guys making decisions, but it is interesting. Um, that's a little unique with that spot. Uh, but Darius Harris looks like it's going to be the first guy up, but you don't have to talk to me about Elijah Lee. I remember he's a Kansas city kid, watched him play in high school, watched him play at K state. Right. Uh, and then now he's got the opportunity. He's a little bit more of the, you know, get out in space, um, kind of that kind of player, um, similar to Brian cook. If they want to bring down a safety, uh, I know, you know, that was brought up uh post game when, or not post game earlier this week, when I was talking with, uh, the guys about, um, how could they potentially replace him by, you know, changing schematically a little bit about what they do. Same thing with Leo Chanel, um, who we've already seen when he hits somebody, they go backwards. Even when yes, he's hitting, grown, when he's hitting <laughs> grown men, uh, they still go backwards, which has been awesome to, I said he is going to be a fan favorite for a long time. 
uh, the way that Arrowhead is built around just loving defense uh, and players just loving guys going out there and being physical because Chiefs hadn't had a whole lot of that on their defense where you just had a bunch of intimidating dudes that are going to hit you and get after you. And that's what Karloftis, Brian Cook, uh, Leo Chanel, a lot of those dudes are about that life. So, um, yep. yeah, it looks like Darius Harris might be the first one, um, but you bring up great points. It'll be really interesting to see with Naeem Hines. Uh, it's not a, a topic that we had talked a whole lot about, but in general, the Chiefs have struggled over the years um, defending running backs out of the backfield. And if they can find a way to to somehow get the right formations and the personnel groupings to match up Nick Bolton out in space, as good as Nick Bolton is, that's something that an offensive coordinator would say, if we're going to try to do something to put ourselves in an advantageous position, uh, it's getting your Mike linebacker on somebody like Naeem Hines out in space. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. All right, so what do you have on the other side of the ball? Let's or another matchup, I guess I should say. You you already kind of teased that you're going to talk about some receivers here. I am. I and so the receiver point is limiting yards after the catch. That is such a bread and butter of what Frank Reich wants from his offense. A couple of years ago, when they had Philip Rivers, they were top ten in the NFL in yards after mm-hmm. catch for the receivers. That's when the offense was really humming. And when you look at the last couple of wide receiver or quarterbacks that they've had, Phillip Rivers, twilight of his career, Carson Wentz, we had a little bit of a different situation, but Carson Wentz just a little bit different of a quarterback at this point in time. And then Matt Ryan, again, twilight of his career. So they're not asking yeah. these guys to go out and throw for the most yards they've ever thrown for in a single game. What they really just want, and the reason why the Colts went after Matt Ryan, is because they wanted a smart, accurate quarterback who is able to get the ball in the hands of their playmaker, wide receivers, and running backs, and just allow them to go for yards after the catch. That has not been the case for the Colts so far this year. Outside of Michael Pittman Jr., Michael Pittman Jr. has only played in one game. They don't really have anybody that's able to do that right now. They don't have a lot of players who are able to get yards after the catch, uh, whether it's just a lack of dynamic ability, or I know Matt Ryan has definitely struggled with ball placement, Accuracy is yeah. one thing. Some people can look at completion percentage and be like, oh, you know, the ball was close. Well, there's when it comes to yards after the catch, there's a difference yeah. between the ball being close and the ball being exactly where it needs to be on time to hit guys in stride and allow them to get those yards after catch. He just has not been a- accurate enough this year. I don't think there's any way around it. So we saw with the Jags last week what they were able to do against the Colts is they played a little bit of off coverage. There's a lot of um, – as a lot of defenses are playing nowadays, they're playing these off quarters and these safeties for Jacksonville were able to rally very quickly to where the ball was going to basically hit these guys at the catch point and make sure that there's no room for yards after the catch. If you can limit yards after the catch with the Colts, I don't know if Ryan has the arm to give them enough air yards, if you will, to be able to keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's the big thing yeah. for me is it, we, we talk all the time about, oh, you got to play discipline, discipline football. Well, duh, everybody <laughs> wants to play discipline, right? But that is a major area of discipline that the Chiefs have to have. Play a little bit off. Make sure that you're tackling the guys when you get up to them. Don't be going mm-hmm. for these massive hits where they can bounce off of it. Don't be going for the ankles and swinging it air, whatever it is. If the Chiefs are sound in tackling when they rally to the ball, it's hard for me to think that the Colts offense is going to – outpace the Chiefs offense just due to how much they've struggled doing what they want to do which is yards after the catch work over the last two weeks I'm not sure so sure they're going to be able to snap their fingers and it change 
All right, so what I'm hearing is that Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill, this is a day for those guys to come up and have success tackling, uh, yes. coming downhill and making plays uh, in that regard. And uh, something we've seen, uh, it was one of the big things with Juan Thornhill uh, last year coming back from his injury a little bit, that he had gained some weight. He gotten a little bigger, uh, be a little bit more physical. And this year kind of slimmed down a little bit more, uh, tried to be a little bit more athletic, but we knew he had the ball skills as coming out of Virginia. That's what he was about in college. Uh, but to see him come up in what he's done over the last couple of years in run defense and being able to hit in that physical part of the game has been a pleasant surprise and somebody that I had projected before the year to have a big year. I mean, he's in a contract year. This is a big, big year for him anyway uh, to show that he's hundred hundred percent back from that knee injury. Um, Cause it always takes, you know, an extra year uh, to get those guys ready where they can run around. But uh, that's a good one to watch. Um, obviously with Jonathan Taylor too, you don't want them breaking off any long runs. Cause anytime you're playing the chiefs, you want to make teams earn it and go all the way down the field and really grind out uh, getting those points. Cause you know, the chiefs are going to put up points. So in that, on that note, for the Chiefs offense going up against the Colts defense, we talked to Brett Coleman. He said the matchup that he's most excited to watch is DeForest Buckner and Creed Humphrey. Oh, Watching those man. guys get up yes. fronted in the middle. So I'm not going to let you take that one. Uh, but it looks like uh, Shaq Leonard, Darius Leonard will be back uh, in this game. We know how good he is um, as a player. But what's the the matchup you're looking for on the other side of the ball for Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs offense? going up against this Colts defense. Well, um, Brett has an unfair advantage because he does the show before <laughs> me because that's obviously a big one, right? When you look at DeForest Buckner yeah. going up against Creed Humphrey, it's length. And it's it's a lot of issues that could potentially be there with a guy who has a massive wingspan at six foot seven. So that's a big one. But honestly, I, I, the, st the story is turnovers. It is. This yeah. Colts defense forced the second most turnovers in the NFL last year. They had 33. They've got one so far through two games. And it's not like... Hmm they're letting a bunch of them go through their hands. Like they're just not playing that step ahead with anticipation like they were last year. And I'm not exactly sure why, but as long as you were keeping this defense guessing and on their heels, which if there's any offense in the NFL that can keep defenses guessing, it feels like it's the Kansas city chiefs. They will get creative and throw a lot of different looks at you. A lot of different personnel formations, a lot of different players in a lot of different spots. What that really does is it doesn't allow the defense to anticipate, be aggressive, to go get those turnovers. And that's really the biggest story of the game. Another like duh coach thing. Hey, we want to win the turnover battle. But when you look at this Colts team with the offense as anemic, as it seems like it is, if they're not forcing turnovers, if, if the chiefs just simply do not cough the ball up to this defense, I, I don't see a lot of formulas for the Colts to be able to hang with them. I, I really don't. So, I mean, that's the biggest storyline for me is lack of turnovers for a team that had that so much as part of their identity. Leonard being back is a big portion of that. So we'll see how much of an impact yeah. his presence allows them to be a little bit more anticipatory. He's the guy in the middle who can call things out. He's fantastic at forcing fumbles. He's great with interceptions and coverage as well. So it can't be understated how much him playing in this game might help that. But if you limit yeah. turnovers to a defense that's been, it's been tough sledding for them to get turnovers and even put themselves in position for turnovers so far, that to me is the storyline. If you don't cough it up to this team, there's not a lot they can do to overcome that on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I think it's a bad sign. I talked about this, I think, I believe with Nate Taylor earlier this week, that it's a bad sign when you, you know, who are your two best players? And it's a, a, a guard and a middle linebacker. <laughs> like, that's not an impactful it's not great. situation. Not it's not great. great. It's, hey, as a roster composition, Chris Ballard is one of my favorite dudes uh, that I had been around. A lot of respect for, for him, but that's not a great 
um, situation to be in. Not that DeForest Buckner isn't one of the best uh, defensive tackles, but Nate did say he was going to go to Chris Jones and ask him, how do you feel that there's a lot of people that think DeForest Buckner is the best defensive tackle in the AFC? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just kind of just kind of poke at him a little bit. Just see, purposely uh, putting the chip on the shoulder. Get. Just like you just yeah. purposely putting it there, seeing what happens. Yeah, a lot of people, one of those uh, classic media tricks. A lot of people are saying yada, yada, yada. Oh, like yeah, per- yeah, yeah, yeah. One person on Twitter, I read it, and uh, they all of a sudden that becomes a lot of people are saying uh, <laughs> such and such. But, you know, I one thing you guys could do at Pro Football Focus, because you guys probably have the, the formulas to do this much faster than I was doing it by hand back in the day. But I, I call them the four core stats. Um, you, you bring up, you know, turnovers and things like that, where it was four stats that I always look up. And my, my formula, my what I was trying to figure out is – if you're better than your opponent in at least three of the four stats, you win the games like 90 something percent of the time. Mm-hmm. It was third down conversions, yep. red zone efficiency, yep. turnovers and penalty yards. Sure. Yeah. If you are better than your opponent in three of those categories and it was like the chiefs, like they won like 90 something percent of their games. If you had those and the penalty yards was the one that really didn't matter. So it ended up becoming like three core stats of red zone, third down and turnovers as much as we want to talk all week every day all day about all these games it's get pressure on the opposing quarterback take the ball away convert in the red zone the goals the goals are always the same the the thing that changes in the game is how you do it that's what evolves the goals don't change can't turn the ball over can't give the team extra possessions can't let them score the money downs got to keep points off the board (laughs) at least keep it three instead of seven Right. And then third downs, obviously you want to get guys off the field because that comes down to possession work. Right. So it's those goals. You're right. are timeless throughout the game of football. If you are in the green on those three areas, good chance that you're going to win the football game. The, the, the chess matches always and how it evolves of how you do that. And that's the fun thing that we get to watch every week. I had this, this would be the final thought uh, as we're joined by pro football focuses, Trevor Sikama. Trevor, one of the things that uh, came up, I was doing pregame radio uh, for the game and it just kind of came out. Some of those coach speak things uh, that's kind of like saying something without directly saying coach Reed's very good about that. He's never Mm -hmm. going to say anything negative about anybody, but anytime the coach says it's not about what they do, it's about what we do. It's coach speak for we are better than they are. And I'm (laughs) just not going to come out and say that. And you look at the Chiefs' schedule, we just mentioned earlier in the show about the AFC West maybe not being as strong with the Raiders and the Broncos really struggling out of the gate. But when you look at the Chiefs' schedule, I mean, they've got Tampa Bay, and they do have the Raiders, but then they got the Bills. <laughs> they got the Bengals coming up. They have a brutal schedule this year. It's one of the toughest schedules they've ever had. But when you look at this game, this is very much one of those, you can't lose this game because you may drop one later. Uh, that you you look at the end of the season, you come back and like, man, we shouldn't have lost that one. But this is very much a if the Chiefs play even slightly above average football, I'm saying this is maybe cock, too cocky of me. But if the Chiefs play even slightly above average, it really doesn't matter how well the Colts play because the Chiefs are just that much better. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I mean the the Colts haven't shown it yet. I mean you go back to what I was talking okay. about the, the the identity of what they they want on offense is certainly to run it through Jonathan Taylor and Jonathan Taylor is still proven that he's a fantastic running back, but even in front of him, the offensive line, it's the highest paid offensive line in the NFL and they're not playing like it. I mean, they're absolutely not playing like it. You then you look at the rest of the offense, what they want to do, the yards after catch, the dynamic ability, it's not there. So if the Colts were to somehow play brand of football that would be able to best the chiefs, it'd be the first time that we've seen it this season. So I, I don't agree. I, I sorry, I don't disagree with 
what coach Reed is saying where he's like, Hey, it's honestly, it's about us. And that is, that's a very nice way to say this. Team and I don't think he said that. I don't think he said, I said that. Okay. That okay, was so my message. Even no, if I'm not putting that. that coach wouldn't even say something. Even like if he, he said coaches that. look forward to the challenge of playing the Colts. Yeah. <laughs> like so, that's what okay. coach is going to say. No, it's uh, it's look, Colts are pros too. They get paid if you will. But at the same okay. time, a lot of these advantages, these X factors, these pieces of the puzzle, they lean towards Kansas City. They should be able to get this win. And you're right. This is one that it's this is a tough schedule for Kansas City this year. And it's a tough AFC around them. So this is one that you don't want to drop. I think the formula is still yeah. there for them to get this win. But it is. It's going to be an important one because you never want to count wins before they happen. You never in the NFL want to point at a team and say, yeah, they're going to beat that team because anything truly can happen. But they kind of do need to beat the Colts here, especially while they are down and not looking yeah. like the Colts team that we've seen over and, the last couple of years. And in fairness, it, this is a huge one for the Colts to not have apathy set in for the entire oh, you know, yeah. state of oh, Indiana yeah. because you get blanked by the Jaguars on the road, and this is their home opener. And so they're trying to drum up this interest, drum up excitement, and then you come and you're playing a team like the Chiefs that's had a lot of success. You come in and get boat raced by the Chiefs. It's going to be really hard to keep the rest of that fan base engaged for yep. the rest of the season, uh, knowing that, you know, I don't think anyone expected – them to necessarily compete in the AFC. I mean, I'm sure the diehard, the diehard Colts fans could find a path that that was going to happen, but it wasn't, you know, like they were a favorite um, or that somebody really expected. They weren't the bills or the chiefs or one of those teams. So interesting to see how that plays out, but Trevor, man, appreciate you for joining us again on this episode of KCS and update. Uh, can you let the people know where they can find your work and what you got working on right now? Everything over at profootballfocus.com. Also, if you guys aren't doing anything weekdays from, 11 a.m. to noon Eastern time. We've got a show called It's Just Football on PFF's YouTube, and we're just covering the league in a lot of very fun ways. So come hang out with us. But uh, appreciate it, BJ. Always fun to talk about it. Yep. Next week, we're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes and Pro Football Focus, all right? Okay. So, hey, look, I, <laughs> that is that is the teaser of all teasers right there, but I got no problem yep. talking about Tune it. Tune in oh, next week. Yep. We'll also, break it down. Also, also, <laughs> it's Chiefs Bucks next week. So you and I, so you and I got. Oh, that's right. You and I got some good background here. My handles Tampa Bay Trey, man. Come on. I. That's right. I'm too much like day by. There's too many things going on right now. I'm barely. You were the. You were. I'm barely looking to like noon. We're recording like at nine o'clock in the morning. I'm barely looking at all the stuff I got to do over the next three hours. But uh, but yeah, excited to get into that. And yeah, that Bucks one. That's gonna be a good one. Excited to talk about that with you. But man, we appreciate it. And then uh, appreciate everybody for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. And if you're listening to the podcast, make sure to rate, review, uh, leave us a good little nugget. Uh, we appreciate it. It does help us reach more people. And we know there's a lot of great places to get your Chiefs content. We appreciate it for being one of those places. So until next time, thanks, Chiefs Kingdom. We'll see you. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.